the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Larry Weedy Kind. Hello, welcome to Relevant Recovery Radio. My name is Donnie Mosier. I am your special featured guest host today. Heather, who is normally with us, is out ill today, not feeling too well. And today in studio with me, I have my friend Chris Kendrick. Hello, glad to be here. I am really glad you're here, Chris. Chris and I have known each other for, I don't know, four or five years now. Something like that. And we've become pretty close friends. Um, his wife and my wife are close friends. So it's a it's a dangerous situation <laughs> at best. For sure. So we, we're support. We support each other in uh, how to deal with wives, I think. Coffee, coffee days are good. <laughs> coffee days are good. So before we get started, um, I have to remember that the reason we're here is that Relevant Recovery Radio is sponsored by Matthew's Hope Foundation. Um, so Matthew's Hope has a detox and a two-year aftercare program. The detox is 10 to 14 days long. They also offer IASIS, which is a microcurrent neurofeedback, and recovery support for two years. Matthew's Hope um, website is matthewshope.org. And if you need help or know somebody who needs help, please give them a call at 844-263-4673. All right, so let's get into it. So, Chris, uh, we were actually talking on the way over here just about, um, well, the fact that we're both in a different kind of recovery, right? So mine's fairly simple. I'm in recovery from, I'm, I'm a recovered alcoholic, my wife is a drug addict. And what's y'all's sitch? So my situation is, is I married an alcoholic drug addict and um, didn't know how to deal with it. And, you know, lived in her active addiction for the better part of 10 years. And, you know, finally kind of hit a bottom and had to go find help and through that, I was found a 12-step for friends and families of alcoholics and addicts. And, uh, yeah, it changed my life. It's the best thing I've ever done. So so the beginning mistake was you have a bad decision-making process. Yeah, my picker is definitely broken, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I, I think it probably has to do with a lot of my childhood upbringing. My father was an alcoholic. Mm. Uh, mother died of cancer when I was young. And... Uh, you know, father ended up remarrying a, a step monster who was very <laughs> verbally, physically abusive towards mm-hmm. me. So, uh, you know, my examples were abusive stepmom, alcoholic father, poverty, uh, chaos. You know, that's what I grew up in. So. so when you when you found gay, you were right at home. Oh, yeah. It's it's the devil that I knew for sure. <laughs> for sure. So, devil I knew. So where I recovered from a powerless, you know, a hopeless state of mind and body, what about you? What does your program look like? What are you recovering from? What is your first step about? Yeah, so uh, so alcoholics and addicts, um, you know, their, their, their issue is, is they, they can't really stop 
drinking and using, you know, um, you know, you obsess about, you know, alcohol, Mm -hmm. drugs. I obsess about you, Mm, you know, I obsess about you and your behavior because, uh, you know, as as a man, you know, we're head of the household, we're caretakers, we, you know, as far as I'll speak for myself, I thought it was my responsibility to keep the family on a direction and a path to success. And, you know, you throw an alcoholic in the middle of that and it's not really easy to do, <laughs> you know. I was very used to uh, just willing my way to make things better and yep. it really didn't work very well so well and you've been in the fellowship for a few years uh this year will be year 13 for me wow yes and you know the 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 mold or the idea that was broken for me just as i've gotten stayed sober long enough is that first of all you know you think drunks are always guys um or uh, drug addicts are always guys and both of our wives are alcoholic drug addicts. And then, you know, you have these, uh, these ideas that, that, that 12 step, the family 12 step fellowship is all about women. And it's not, there's a lot of men in there. Yeah, there is now. I mean, times have definitely changed. I think, uh, originally when, uh, it was created back in the forties, fifties, um, typically it was men, men were the alcoholics mm-hmm. and women were the caretakers or kept the family together, did all of that. And, um, now it's definitely different. There are plenty of men in, uh, in recovery for, uh, you know, I don't want to say codependency, but it's definitely a type of codependency for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, I woke up every morning wondering, is my wife drinking today? Is my wife using? And, you know, the very thing I was trying to control was her addiction, her illness, you know, ended up controlling me in the end. Uh, And just because I woke up going, you know, how do I fix this? How do I control it? How do I get through the day? What's going to happen? You know, am I rehearsing for this disaster? Right. Is today the day I choke her? I don't know. (laughs) Well, that, (laughs) yes. That yeah. definitely crossed my mind more than once. No, no, I get it. I get it. I mean, sometimes I feel that way and my wife's recovered. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still have moments today, so I just handle it a little bit differently today. So. so you'll be in the fellowship 13 years this year, and I know that she just celebrated nine. So yeah. you had a few years of her chaos. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Did you did you ever have moments where you regretted the the marriage choice that you made oh yeah absolutely yeah. for sure yeah i mean yeah. i well i played i did what any codependent does you know um why me you know yeah uh, i played the martyr look everything i'm doing for you look what i'm doing <laughs> right. for this family i'm the adult here uh right. how can you do this and i you know i didn't realize that she was sick um i i took it as a personal attack on me and right. um and that's what i had i had to change my thinking when i did get into a 12-step program Okay. All right. Well, this is great uh, getting to know you, Chris. Um, letting the the radio show that we do uh, kind of get to know two sides now: the you know alcoholic and the alcoholic spouse. We will be right back here in just a couple minutes.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. And uh, you have Chris Kendrick in studio. I'm Donnie Mosier. We're filling in for Heather Mosier, who was eaten by a dinosaur over the weekend. And, um, well, well, we'll miss her by a week or so. So, Chris, uh, we're getting to know you a little bit. And um, at this point, you're a few years into a marriage with an alcoholic wondering, what have I done? Yep, sure was. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Just uh, you know, we talk about. You know, we say it, it's it's fun, then it's uh, fun with problems, and then it was problems. And by you know a few years in, it was definitely problems. How tiring is it to try and exhausting? I mean, you're babysitting a full grown adult baby alcoholic. Yeah, it's exhausting to try to <laughs> to try to juggle that and to try to pay the bills and to keep her out of jail and to raise the child, our children. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely exhausting. Uh, and you know, I started to change as well. I started to change. I started to get depressed. I started to get resentful. I started to get angry. Um, and I felt lost, you know, I didn't know what to do. So. Cause I can't imagine. Cause I know that in my head, in the alcoholics head during those days, um, it's chaos. It's it's literally a whirlwind from sun up to sundown, and figure this out and do this. But then I can't imagine the caretaker for that. Like, whew. yeah, sure. And you, you know, as just someone that thinks that what they're doing is right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the fact was is I just didn't know. I didn't know what alcoholism was, and uh, I was just trying to do the best I could. And through that. You know, like I said, I started to change, not for the better. Um, you know, my wife, she suffered so many uh, verbal attacks from me. No one should have had experienced that. Well, know? it's it's kind of like a, a the like a jailer. You know, when yeah. a jailer is taking care of the inmates, after a while, he starts to take on the persona of the inmates, and I'm sure it's the same way. It, it was definitely the same way, uh, for sure, for how, sure. How many times did she try and get sober more than once? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, she she went to inpatient a couple of times, uh, you know, and in there was three suicide attempts, three mm. trips to the psych ward, a uh, couple of trips to ICU. Uh, That's some serious ups and downs. Yeah, yeah especially when yeah. like your entire. I don't know. Everything you have inside your being is pushing for this person to get well. Yes. And so your hopes are high and then for something to happen and they, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and and it's a crazy cycle because you know, like the first time she went to a psych ward, she was crying. And, you know, as her someone that loved her dearly and um, was her spouse, you know, my tendency was like, I got to break her out. Like mm-hmm. I got to, you know, instead of like the best thing for me to do would have been left her in there. Right. But it's like, no, I'm going to I'm going to find a counselor. I'm going to find a doctor or somebody that's going to write a letter to this organization that's mm-hmm. going to let me rescue her. I don't want her to suffer. Yeah, and, and rescue is like the, the the word there. That's always what I was doing constantly was, and I, you know, I wore it as a badge of honor. Well, and, and then so for other people out there who have alcoholics, addicts in their life, family members, were you trying to rescue her? Was that what you're doing? Was that the, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, I want to, you know, the enabler, right? We're talking that really about that. Like what was really going on? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, I, she was a fire and I just kept throwing gasoline on it. Uh, yeah. 
constantly. Uh, I mean, but there was no reason for her to really change her ways. You know, she had an unlimited ATM card. Uh, You know, she had a roof over her head. She had food. She had somebody that was going to take care of her disasters. Mm -hmm. You know, that was, yeah, I was a fixer. (laughs) I was a fixer. And uh, it's what I did. And it just enabled her to keep drinking and using. Well, when it's somebody that you love, it sounds completely counterintuitive when somebody tells you, hey, you know what? Stop it. Take your hands off. Let them suffer. Let them fall. Because I think ultimately in our mind, we always go to the worst. We go, we absolutely oh, go to the worst. Sure. Like, this person's not going to make it. They're going to die. Yeah, I definitely said that to myself several times. And, you know, the fact is, the reality of it is, it almost happened. You know, it almost happened quite a few times. Uh, and, you know, what I needed to learn, and it was took someone else telling me this, but it's like, hey, focus on you, get out of her way mm. and see what happens because you can't control the inevitable anyways. And and looking back, do you feel like it was actually slowing down the inevitable? Oh, it, I, yeah, for sure. I, I was a roadblock for the better part of 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Because that's about how long I lived in active addiction with her. So, um, yeah, I. what I should have been doing was getting her out, you know, getting out of her way, which meant take away the ATM card, take away the credit card, um, draw some boundaries. Uh, don't give her ultimatums that I didn't intend to see through. Um, those were the things I should have been doing. Um, but what I was doing was she would, you know, it was a vicious cycle. She would, you know, screw up. She would drink too much. She would get a DUI. Uh, she would drink she wouldn't go to work the next day and then I would somehow bail her out of jail or uh, call in sick for to work for her. Um, and then I would expect her to go see what I did for you. Now yeah. it's your turn to act better. And then she wouldn't. And then I would get resentful and then she would do it again. And I would come I'm, and rescue I'm doing it. this nice, kind thing for you. Exactly. But I have a secret expectation that you're gonna do something back. Sure, yeah, the definition <laughs> of insanity, we all know it and it's and it's very clear, but sometimes you're just too close to the situation that you mm-hmm. can't see it. You can't see how crazy you are acting. So I, I have a, I kinda wanna know something that I've never really asked a spouse um, but I have no clue what was going on in your head or how you were feeling. Give me an idea of what you're going through on a night when she's out. She's out on a run and you're home. Like, what? what is going on in your mind? Because I was always the one that was out. Right, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's the natural feelings that you have are, are what's, what is she doing? Um, is she going to make it home tonight? Uh, you know, uh, am I going to get a phone call at 3 a.m.? Uh from the police, uh, mm-hmm. uh, just am I going to see my wife again? You know, those are. It's a bad place to be because you're just left with your head spinning out of control. With uh, you know, when you're when you don't have the resources, or you have the resources but you haven't tried to look for help yourself, you can just sit there and let your mind spin out of control, and you will catastrophize. You will you will tell yourself all these stories that are all untrue and none of them have happened. So, and, and this went on for the better part, you said, of 10 years. Yeah, 10 years about. What kept you there? You know, uh, honestly, uh, our daughter kept me there. Um, it, that's a, it's a very fair statement. I mean, obviously, I love my wife. I'm very much in love with her. Um, but 
I don't think that was enough to keep me around, but our stepdaughter, um, she kind of is like, hey, who's going to take care of this child? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, on the other side, uh, her real father, her birth father was going through the same thing my wife was. He was a drug addict. He was homeless out on the streets. So it was like I cannot leave this child um, with my wife because I fear, fear for her safety. Now, I got to a point where I was calling lawyers going, do I have rights right. as a parent? Mm -hmm. And, you know, by the time she was 12 or 13 years old, they were like, yeah, you have rights. And I was like, this is good. This is something good. This is like I can move forward. I can, you know, get an escape plan here. Right. Get it going. So, <laughs> uh, so that's... So that's how I, I was approached it. That's definitely what kept me in the marriage. Uh, other than love, you know, I didn't want to see my wife suffer. I didn't, you know, I, I wanted to be with her. Uh, see, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's just that I'm, I'm on the other end of the spectrum, right? But I'm an alcoholic. I cut and run, right? Right. <laughs> so I mean, I look at that, and I look at the fact that you stayed, and I'm just in awe of of your loyalty and. Uh, you, know. you know, the fact that I stayed, uh, it's not admirable. It's gotcha. not at all. You know, <laughs> it was it, part of the sickness. Yeah, it's part of the sickness. It's part of my own codependency. It's part of what the, you know, the disease of alcoholism does to friends and families. To both both parties. I get it for sure. Well, I tell you what, um, we are going to take a break here in a minute uh, for a minute. Uh, let's remember that we're sponsored by Matthew's Hope Foundation. And we're going to come back and talk to Chris about better days when we get back. Welcome back to Recovery Relevant Recovery Radio, sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. I'm Donnie Mosier, and sitting with me today is Chris Kendrick, and Hello. we are talking about uh, a marriage, uh, a marriage made in dysfunction and and ending in recovery. Hello. So, uh, Chris, when we left, uh, basically we were talking about the fact that you stayed, right? Right. And I would look at that and go, "Wow, this guy is loyal," and you're like, "Nope." All dysfunction. Yeah, all dysfunction. But, yeah. but then your wife finally gets sober. For sure, for she sure. Gets sober. But how about you? Let's talk about your recovery. Where did your recovery start? Sure. Actually, uh, it started, um, I was actually was cleaning our car on our anniversary, and I found uh, drugs in our car. What, uh, what'd you get? What'd you get? I got meth. Oh. Yeah. Jackpot. I got meth. Jackpot. Actually, I left it there and wrote her a little note and put it back. <laughs> <laughs> a passive aggressive note. Oh yeah, for oh, that's sure. Fantastic. For sure. But uh, I found drugs and um, and see, here's how I know you're not a drug addict and alcoholic. Because I would have done that, right? Yeah, I would have done the meth. <laughs> I mean, and that's yeah. the that's the beauty of having you on today because with Heather and I, she's she's a straight up drug addict and I'm a straight up alcoholic. But we're now getting the now the rest of our audience can hit listen in the people sure. that are not drug addicts and alcoholics, the yeah. people that would leave a note or they would take the meth and throw it in the trash. Right. You know, where we would have immediately put it into our body. Oh, yeah. I would have thrown it away. I dumped out so much alcohol, thousands and thousands. Wish I had all that money back, actually. That's so. abusive. It really is abusive. <laughs> it is. It's, I don't even know what planet you're from. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Who throws uh, out alcohol. 
Yeah, actually, uh, how I got into uh, a 12-step program for fam- friends and families of alcoholics uh, is I found drugs, and I took them to her counselor. She had a counseling appointment that day, and I was like, I'm going to show her. I'm going to tell on her. This is going to fix her. You know? Did she have to go to the principal? Uh, yeah, <laughs> she, she did. And uh, the... You know, we had a counseling session. Uh, I actually ended up moving out of the house that night. But uh, during the counseling session, I stayed, and uh, the counselor reached into her um, to her file cabinet, and pulled out a meeting pamphlet mm. for Al-Anon, okay. and said, "You need to go here and get out of my office." <laughs> Was she, was, was she like, happy with you? No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the counselor was not happy, and she was, and she recommended to Gay at that time that she go to an inpatient, uh, which she did not do that. But, uh, but yeah, I started going to meetings, and I felt relief. Mm. Immediate, immediately found relief. It what didn't, do you think that was? You just know, being around people that were going through the same thing. Or? Absolutely, yeah. Just I, it, there's comfort in being in a room with people that are dealing with exactly what you're dealing with. I I think therapy's been around since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one slave talking to another slave. It's one, you know, soldier talking to another soldier. It's one alcoholic talking to another alcoholic. It's one divorcee talking to another divorcee. That's, you know, that's the way this thing works. You're around somebody um, that feels your pain. Yeah. So there was comfort there. Um, And so, yeah, I started uh, going to meetings and, um, wasn't really doing any of the work that I needed to do, but I felt relief and I was getting something from it. And uh, so that's sort of, you know, where my journey in recovery began. So, um, and then I started, you know, slowly setting boundaries, doing things that. Uh, How did that go? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to hear an example of yeah. a good boundary session. Yeah, a good boundary session was uh, see this ATM card, it no longer works. <laughs> <laughs> It's turned off. Remember that money you had? It's all gone now. Yeah, see these bills. Time for you to get a job. Uh, Did you tell her that? Type thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, these are yours. So I started, like, you know, not doing for her what she should be doing for herself, which is, you know, turning into an adult. Now, it wasn't always easy. Like, she... Well, I mean, adulting can cut into my drinking time. That's the problem. Of course, yeah. And that definitely did hers. And... You know, I, during this time, she was in and out of rehab. Like, this was probably, by the time I started to find recovery, there was a three-year period before she found sobriety. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so it was going back and forth. Not good. Um, there was, like I said, I had plans to take our daughter, Kate, and, and leave. Uh, you know, but she, you know, she was trying. Uh, you know, part of the big change in myself was, you know, it says in our... Um, in our literature, you know, learn all you can about alcoholism. And that's one thing that I didn't do at first, you know, for the first three years. But then when I started to learn that this was a disease and that, you know, I'm sure my wife got up every day saying, I'm not going to drink today. Mm. Um, When I learned that, I started looking at her with more compassionate eyes. Did you turn, so you turn from maybe from, from less apathy, more empathy? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, I started to care more, but I also, before I did anything for my wife, I said, is this, is this helping her or is it hurting her? And you know, I'd have to stop and ask that question. Mm-hmm. And should she be doing this? You know, um, And then, like I said, through 
you know, suicide attempts and failed, you know, DUIs and, you know, name it, everything that comes with addiction and alcoholism, you know, she, she found sobriety and, you know, I still, a big part of me wanted to try to control that, you know, it's like, Hey, did you go to a meeting today? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was, you know, I walked on eggshells and it's like, Hey, your only job is to stay sober. Let me take care of everything. Again, a bad a bad codependent I am. So, well, and, and in our literature, and I, I believe our literature is the same. They're similar, much, right? yeah. yeah. Um, but in our literature in the third step, it talks about uh, this idea where I, I've got this, uh, like, I want people to do what I want them to do. Even though my motives are good, I'm still self-seeking. Was there a little bit of that going on where you oh. want her to recover, but there's personal reasons? There's reasons. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, yeah. that was a, an epiphany for me. It was... Hey, you need to stop drinking so I'll feel better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's that is the most selfish reason there is. You know, it, right. it doesn't get more self-centered than that. Right. And uh, but that's what I was seeking. But it, the outside motive is, hey, I'm I'm trying to make this better for you. Oh yeah, yeah. no, yeah, wear that. Yeah, wear that badge of honor. Like, oh, I'm the good. I'm the good adult. You're the bad adult. So. So by the time she found sobriety, you had four years. Yeah, three three or four years. And in again, I wasn't doing the work I needed to be doing. I wasn't really working the steps like I should. I didn't have a sponsor like I should. I was kind of just giving it a, a, a very, um, you know, not very aggressive effort. How long did you all. do that? I did it for the first three or four years I was in program. And so once, what's the contrast? So you did three or four years in the program where you just showed up, went yeah. to meetings, mm-hmm. and then something sat, happened. Sat in the back. Yeah. Well, part of it was her getting sober was part of it. Uh, now, she gotten sober once before, but, you know, that's kind of when I was like, just stay sober. I'll do everything else. And, yeah. You know, if an alcoholic has nothing but time on their hands, eventually they're just going to drink again. Yeah. You know? So the the second time she got sober, it was like, hey, you have to get a job. You have to be an adult. You have to be a contributing member of this house. Like, But what happened for you to turn your program on, for you to get all in? Uh, well, I always knew that I needed to. N- there wasn't like a click. Mm. I always knew I needed to do it. And part of it was her getting sober. You know, I, I owed it to her. I owed it to her and her sobriety and her trying to get sober for me to be all in on this thing. Gotcha. And, um, and you know, I, I got a sponsor and started working steps and, uh, things started to change and I just started to become aware that. What's the contrast for you? So three, four years, I'm just showing up. Yeah. It was trying to get um, this lady sober, trying to save her life. But then suddenly she gets sober. Now I'm all in on my program. What's your internal contrast? Yeah. The difference is, is relief versus recovery. You know, Mm -hmm. there was actual, like, I actually started to change once I, you know, started to do the things that they say to do, which is go to meetings, get a sponsor, work the steps and help somebody else. So it's the difference between thriving and surviving. Yep. Yep. I was surviving. I found some relief and then I found recovery. I started to change. Life started to get better and it started to get better fairly quickly. So, and you know, my marriage, my relationship is one of the fortunate ones. You know, we're kind of an anomaly where we started to define recovery together around the same time. Gotcha. And and a marriage I, held together. How long have you been married now? It'll it's nineteen. It'll be nineteen years this year. Wow. 
That's fantastic. Yep. I mean, that that in itself is an anomaly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Especially being through what you guys have been through. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and it's for us, it's a little different in that Heather and I are both alcoholics. We're both on marriage number three. Um, we don't have the kind of time in a marriage that you guys do, but I imagine that we're learning. We're learning something you guys probably learned many years ago, but we're going through it like how to be sober how to live this life, um, how to grow as a couple, uh, grow together, but grow separately. Right. Right. Cause you have your program. She has hers. And I think in a way, Heather sort of, Heather and I are the same and that, uh, we're in the same fellowship, but I have mine and she has hers and, and we have ours, you know? Right. So, all right. Well, we will be right back. We're going to in this next segment, talk a little bit about being married and working 12 steps. We'll see how that goes. Uh, This is Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio on KPRC 950. Relevant Recovery Radio is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. Uh, I am your host today, Donnie Mosier. Uh, My wife, Heather, was kidnapped by an alien race from another planet. They have sent her tow via interstellar mail, and we're hoping to see her again in a week or so. Poor alien. Yeah. Um, Well, they usually send her back. She's kidnapped, but she's back within three days. So this is just what happens. Yeah, they can only handle her about three days. I'm joined in studio with Chris Kendrick, my friend. Hello. And Chris is giving us an alternative perspective. Right. So Heather and I are here every week talking about being alcoholics and drug addicts and recovery. And Chris is the savior of an alcoholic. We we love to make that joke. Um, But Chris is in another fellowship that um, is basically the spouse, the loved one, the family of an alcoholic. Yep. Friends and families of alcoholics, for sure. So we've gone kind of through this great journey of... um, addiction right and then um finding recovery and getting into recovery um (laughs) something that you and i talk about quite often is being married in recovery yes um because i i I think that i don't know i think that we're very self-aware uh as human beings because of the programs that we're in we're very aware of our own behavior and we're very critical of our own behavior sure that's you know and that's what 12 steps will do for you. You'll have this awareness that you didn't have. It's like, it's like stepping outside of yourself Mm -hmm. and and taking a look in and go, wow, I didn't realize I I was acting that way or didn't realize, you know, I was doing that. Um, You know, what happened to me was my role as spouse changed. It Mm -hmm. was no longer the fixer, the caretaker, um, the head of household. It was more like, hey, I'm here to support you. That was the difference. Like, this is your life. Uh, I am going to give you the dignity to succeed and to fail on your own. And I'm not going to try to save you. And I'm not going to try to rescue you anymore. I'm here to support you. I'm he- I'm a shoulder. I'm here to talk. You know, whatever you need, that's what I'm here for. You feel like it's a, a, a shift into a partnership role? Oh, yeah, 100%. And part of it was just me not being in the middle of her life, mm-hmm. you know, not... You know, it's just like I had to put 
uh, trust that, you know, trust in a, a, a higher power. You know, I had to develop that relationship. Got to hand her over to God and yeah. be like, okay, God, you're in charge. I'm out of the biz. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and, and this is my role. My role is husband. It's, um, my role is partner, supporter. Uh, I'm here for you, friend. Um, and, and that's what it became. And once I realized that, then, you know, then I, I could, I could focus on my own life. I can, you know, we use this word in our program, detachment, you know, and I can detach. Like, it's like, hey, this is your life. I'm giving you that dignity. Like, it's not my life. And I'm out of the director's role. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to focus on me and focus on my life. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to, to have a good life. And, and what does that look like in that fellowship? Is it sort of the same as, as ours? Is it, you know, you're, you have a sponsor, you're working steps, you're sponsoring guys. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, it's the same. Uh, it's, you know, the difference is, is, you know, I think probably we take our time, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, where, and, you know, and, and, an alcoholic is like, you get alcoholics through the steps quick. Have you know? to. Yeah. You gotta so, give them a so, solution. Yeah. So you can, you know, because it's life or death, you know, yep. it's, yep. you know, you obsess about something that's going to kill you. I obsess yeah. about you. Which eventually, eventually you could kill me. But. I mean, I've, I know Gay very well, and <laughs> yeah. I think she could have at some point. Yeah, for sure, or vice versa. <laughs> you know, it it definitely, uh, yeah, definitely was both ways. Uh, so, uh, but you know, the the steps are exactly the same. Now, They're do you no guys difference. give each other advice on uh, the other's uh, step work? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> um, you know, we actually, we don't give advice in the program. We make suggestions. Uh, there's a big difference there. So, uh, well, I mean, to your wife, um, you know, I think we speak program every single day in our household. Now, uh, do we, I ask for advice from her because she's such a great example of program of recovery to me. My wife um, is too. My wife's very spiritual. And so I will lean on her. Like if I'm going through a fifth step with a sponsee or, or just working the steps in general with a sponsee or going through my own amends process or whatever it is, you know, I'll lean on her for sure. Um, yeah. because she, she is, uh, yeah, she's been such a great example and, um, and a great ambassador to, uh, 12 steps to the program. And, um, I like to make suggestions as uh, spiritual, passive-aggressive jabs. <laughs> like, I think it was yesterday yeah, that yeah. I suggested that maybe she get with her sponsor or work the steps again because she was missing something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we kind of do that, too. You know, uh, <laughs> it's like uh, when she'll do something she shouldn't be, but then she will justify it. I was like, hey, what does the fourth step say about justification? <laughs> so, uh, And so yeah. I'll... Uh, yeah, but it always, you know, it always comes back to, uh, hey, you know, am I doing what I should be doing? Well, and the, yeah. the beauty is, is that, you know, most marriages have, if they have tools, there may be religious tools or there may be a few other fellowships. But I think that you and I are quite lucky because we have the tools of the 12-step fellowship that we're in and our spouses have the tools of the 12-step fellowship for conflict resolution, for uh, fears for we just all the things that we walk through. We have a set of tools to walk through them with. Sure, yeah, you know, and and it also can be used as a weapon, right? Quite it, often, she and I will use it as a weapon. Yeah, it, it can, other. it can, and you know, it's just like 
you know, it's why, you know, the beauty of the steps is we, we get to check ourselves every day. Like we yeah. have, we get to do that 10th step, you know, that, that personal inventory on a daily basis. And yeah. Hey, was I being self-serving today? You know, was I being a jerk to her when I said that, you know, uh, whatever it might've been. And, and a lot of times for me, it's yes. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, I used to yeah. say passive things like, you know, I've, I've got almost nine years. She's got five uh, and I would say things like, well, you know, when you get to my time, you'll get the wisdom I have. I'm <laughs> yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. When, when the reality is that her spirituality is double mine at, you know, any given day or time. Yeah. And almost always, like, I, to be honest, Gay and I haven't had a fight in nine years since she's been sober, but we've had disagreements. Mm-hmm. And we usually talk them through. And if I am being self-serving or self-righteous, or just sometimes I can, however I'm feeling that day, whether I'm anxious or angry or just short, or maybe I'm hungry or maybe I'm tired. It doesn't even matter. Um, I can snap, you know, I can mm-hmm. snap, I can be mean. Um, but then I always come back and go, Hey, you know, I, I I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have acted that way. And the, the good thing that she has, know she has program and she understands that she can go so i can always like what is my part in this Mm, i should start doing this stuff i'm going to start taking (laughs) notes okay apology look at my part i'm going to start i'm going to start doing this yeah and and a proactive approach is hey what's the second thought like yeah instead of just reacting maybe i can be a little more dispassionate and go all right let me look at this let me take my time. Let me yeah. take a step back and just not react on the first feeling and emotion that comes about. So, Well, I will say that the beauty of all of this is that we have a wonderful life and service. We get to help others. Absolutely. Uh, no matter where we've been, we're here now and we get to help others and we have this just full life. You and I were talking about that on the way here. Yeah. That... Yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful for finding this program. Uh, very grateful. I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. Right. Uh, Right. You know, and that's how I feel every day. And, and I get to help somebody else. I get to give it back. Yeah, I often I often think about that, um, that alcoholics are so lucky, that people in your fellowship are so lucky. We have tools that normal people just don't have. All right, so um, to wrap this thing up, do you guys pray together? Not together, no. No. I find that we pray together before we go in the grocery store sometimes. <laughs> we go to that H-E-B on Bunker Hill. You Probably know, a good where idea. People stab each other in the produce aisle. <laughs> yeah, so sometimes we have to pray before we go in there. Uh, so, all right. Well, thank you, Chris, for being here. I really appreciate it. This has been great. My pleasure. And thank you for listening to Relevant Recovery Radio on KPRC 950, which is sponsored by Matthew's Hope Foundation. It's a detox and two-year aftercare. The detox is 10 to 14 days with IASIS microcurrent feedback and recovery support for two years. MatthewsHope.org. Have a great day.